Beautiful. That's what comes to mind when we think about our human design and we're progressively exposed to the perfection of God's original design. Our lives begin to reflect that beauty. Your life is His design, and His design is beautiful. Thank you for engaging with us as we are about to be further exposed to the beauty of His design as we look into the world to see Jesus. Luke chapter number 9 from verse 51. I came into this service ready for you. The Holy Ghost is ready for you. I see nations open to us. I see cities standing up to receive us. I like what's happening. I like it. I like what the Spirit of God is doing to us. Let's read from verse 51. As it is our custom... Let's start from the King James. It's easy to just flow from there. Amen. 51, let's read in concert. Together, one to go. And it came to pass, when the time was come, that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. Focus on what you're reading because it's going to bless you. And if you have a voice that can be vocal, I'd like for you to use it in today's service. Can we say amen? amen? Okay, I think I'm just a little bit too far, too close to the back. Yet again. <laughs> All right. Let's continue from verse 52. And sent messengers before his face, and they went and entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. So notice what's going on here. Jesus has set his face to go into Jerusalem. Remember scripture that says everywhere he went, he went about doing good. It means that good had come to Jerusalem. He wasn't coming to take from them. He was coming to give to them. Okay, so. And then he sent an advance party. All of you who think that, um, you know, to have protocol team, to have... All of that, you think is canna. <laughs> Jesus sent people, look at it in verse 53, or verse 52, and he and sent what messengers in the direction of his face, right? But that's not our message. And he went into the village and entered into that place to make ready what for him. Let's continue. And they did not receive him because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. Verse 54. And when the disciples uh uh-huh. The Lord was rejected, was turned down. I said, we don't want you, Lord. We, we don't want you. The Lord himself, <laughs> they turned him down. Can you imagine such insolence? <laughs> you know, he turned down Jesus. 
you know, and then the disciples felt insulted, not our Oga. Ah, how can you do that to our Oga? <laughs> Jesus, let's call down fire. Let's show these guys that we can move. Let me ask you, would he have taken anything for fire to come? No, 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 church, talk now. What would he have taken for fire to come? It was Jesus and Elijah. Who is higher? Jesus. Church, talk to me. Who is higher? How long did it take for fire to come in Elijah's day? Like this. I'm sure if Jesus had asked for fire, I'm sure, I'm sure God would send more than fire. <laughs> they would have actually exactly, they would have caught fire from inside. He said, nah, we don't show ourselves like that. Father, in the name of Jesus, we give you thanks. Your word is mighty in this place. Our hearts and our minds are open to receive your word. We thank you because we are present here and you are present here. Everyone under the sound of my voice would be encouraged and strengthened by your word. Amen. And the purpose for which this word has come, it will be fulfilled. Amen. People will be established in their faith walk, Amen. to be established in their journey Amen. as we look to see Jesus come back again. Amen. Thank you. Amen. You may be seated. God bless you. I want to welcome you to episode two of The Big Screens. Yeah, that's a good place to shout and scream and rejoice. We are. Hallelujah. We are teaching in this series. We started last week. We are teaching on following the leading of God's spirit for your life and entering into God's big plan and God's big purpose for your life. How many of you know that God has a plan for your life? How many of you know that there's a purpose to your life? Would it be okay for you to not miss that purpose? Amen. Hello? Would, you, would it be okay for you to live in the fullness of that purpose that God has for your life? So, um, it's important that we understand the very essence of following God's big plan for our lives. I made mention on Wednesday that... The moment Jesus left heaven and came down, and I've not started teaching my message today, I just want to give a little um, overview. The moment Jesus left heaven and came down to earth, he became subject to all kinds of distractions. You'd be amazed how, how distracted Jesus was. By a lot of things, when I say distracted, not that he was distracted, but that there were things that presented itself for his distraction. One of them was including a political office that they wanted to give to him. They wanted to make him the king. In fact, some of his disciples thought that that was the reason why he came, to be king, you know. And you know, to be king comes with a lot of authority, a lot of notoriety, a lot of power, a lot of all of that. I made mention to you that if Jesus did not fulfill the purpose for which he came, he would have still had accolades. He would have still had a lot of 
pomp and pageantry and a lot of that. There would have still been glitters and glamour and all of that. There would have still been all of that, red carpets and all of that. Number one, Jesus would have been the oldest person on earth because he lives after the power of an endless life. He does not die. And he doesn't get old. So he'll be the oldest person over 2,000 years, but he'll still be young, skin like a baby. So everybody, like, what's his secret? Wow. Guinness Book of Records, right? Meetings with presidents all around the world. You know, there'll be a lot of all of that. You know all the things we do now that you couldn't do in 2020. You know, people's private jets were parked in their houses and all in their, in their, in the lots and all of that. Do you see what I'm saying? People couldn't go anywhere. But you know the things that make for, well, farms, big boy farmsing, people will be farmsing with him. You know, Dubai city visiting. I mean, the UAE guys, I mean, the UAE flexing life. If you're not here, you're missing, you know? <laughs> this is the live and we'll be having likes. How many followers do you think Jesus will have on Instagram? Hey, you'll probably be the one that will create it. There'll be, a lot of, there'll be a lot of things, but guess what? He didn't fulfill the purpose. He came to die. You understand? And so if he had listened to conversations, imagine if he listened to Peter. You know, do not, you know, Lord and Master, you will not die. You cannot die. Imagine if he listened to Peter. So there were a lot of opportunities for him to be derailed. And those, those things would have been good stuff. They would have been big stuff. They would have been, you know, notorious stuff. Things of, of note. Things of worth. Things of value. Praise God. But it won't be the thing for which he came. And so... What I'm talking about in this month is actually very important. It's very important. I'm, I, you, you, you shouldn't live your life with the fear of missing it. But you should be conscious that there is a leading to follow. And that leading is on a big screen. God is not hiding himself. And we say amen. amen. Do you hear what I'm saying? Yes, so this conversation of following the leading of God's spirit for your life is probably one of the most important conversations that you would ever sit in on and listen to. And what I want to do, what I did in the first episode was to show you that God leads you from a place of love. I'm laying the groundwork. I'm doing like the foundation so that when we start talking about the other things in the series, it would be easy for you to follow. So in today's episode, we want to talk about what the Holy Spirit does to you. What he does to you. How many of you know that song? Oh, what do you do to me? You don't know it. It's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. You know it. You know it. Do you know the lyrics? How, how is it that you don't know it? What do you mean by that? <laughs> I can't remember who sang it. But if, oh, what you do to me? Help, help me. Okay, you don't, okay. You don't know the song? 
Interestingly, you know the song? <laughs> Interestingly, that's where this episode is from. <laughs> we are amazed at the things that inspire our episode. All right, so um, the reason why we want you to know what the Holy Spirit does to you is because, please, this is important, is because we want you to have desire. Somebody say desire. Desire. Um, Desire in the Spirit is the strongest tool a person can have. Desire. Desire. Nothing of note and of worth and of value can truly happen outside of a person's desire. So the reason why we're sharing what the Holy Spirit does to you and painting pictures of that is to get you to desire it, to get you to desire to experience it. Now, we're not saying desire like it's far. What we're saying is, I want this. Do you understand? I want this. Um, It's like if someone wants to whet your appetite, right? if they want to give you something to look forward to, they say this trip, you know, there's going to be a boat cruise. It's in Bahamas, all right? Six nights on the sea, five-star treatment. Hell, some people are ready. Some people, some people are, some people are ready. I just saw no so smile. It was, it was a very subtle smile, you know. There, there are uh, masseuse, you know, and intercontinental cuisines and all of that and all of that. And they tell you what the trip is going to be like. And then they show you the scenery. They show you all of those things. The whole idea is for you to, I want that. Wow. Man, I, I, I want this. So the reason why we are sharing this episode today is so that there will be desire in your heart for the things that we are going to talk about. And it is out of that place of strong desire that everything else in the spirit is born. For you to know that it is available and that you want it, that's why we are sharing this today. Praise God forevermore. All right, so we start from Luke chapter number 9 and we begin to observe Jesus in his journey into Jerusalem, he goes through Samaria, and then the people say, we don't want you here. And in response, the people following Jesus said, you know what, that's something terrible. That's an insult. How can they say they don't want you? Do they know who you are? Let's call down fire. Let's show them that you are something. Actually, let me say this. The disciples were not wrong, but they were wrong. They were not wrong, but they were wrong. They were not wrong in the sense that judgment is what comes to anybody who rejects Jesus. So they weren't wrong. But they were calling for judgment at the wrong time. They didn't understand the template. They didn't understand the the season. Look, that judgment is still going to come to those who reject Jesus. But it's not now. Notice also 
that Jesus in his lifetime did a lot of miracles, mighty miracles with different elements. He did a lot of miracles with water, with wind. He did a lot of miracles, but he never did one miracle with fire. Never had to show himself with fire. Have you never thought about that? He did a lot of miracles. Turned water into wine, element of water into wine. Calmed the wind and the storm. He walked on water. Did a lot of miracles. Raised the dead. But go and find one place that he used fire to do anything. Not one. <laughs> not one. Because it is not consistent with assignment. You only pull out tools <laughs> that are necessary for the assignment. And so fire is not necessary. So he's not consuming then, he's not consuming now. Deal with it. Until the age closes, he will never use any fire. You hear what I'm saying? He will not use it externally and he will not use it internally. <laughs> you understand? So, Jesus, then here's what his people have said and said, come, 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 come. You are not following the program. <laughs> it's not time for that. And so the Bible says that he rebuked them. In other words, he, he turned to them and, and look, that word rebuke is also another word for, hey, he realigned them. Say, no, 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 no. It's not time for that. That's not time. And then he said something very important. Let's look at that scripture. Please make eye contact with the word. The Bible says that he said something very important. And he said, he turned and rebuked them and said, you do not know what manner of spirit you are of. Very important. You do not know what the reason why you're asking for me to do the wrong thing is because you have not aligned yourself with the manner of spirit that you are of. So we're going to talk about that today. Now, why did Jesus say that? He said that because if you know the manner of spirit that you are of, then you know what to expect from that spirit. Because knowing the manner of the Spirit is going to determine what you experience from the Spirit. In other words, the Holy Spirit will not go away from the circumference of His character, which is a reflection of God's nature, because He wants to please you. I said that right. Please you. When you want him to fire another person. He won't say, ah, Dupe is my daughter. Such my daughter. You know, and I, 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 I want to prove to her how much I love her. And then you ask for fire on Maury. He won't answer. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? Brothers and sisters, he won't answer. You know why? Because it's not within the scope of what he does. Can we say amen? amen. Are you in this church this morning? So the Holy Spirit, all right, has been assigned to you. And it is important that the believer knows what manner of spirit he is. 
Because what manner of spirit he is determines what he does to you. He will not do anything outside of his character and outside of his nature. Especially in this time and age when people believe all kinds of things about the Holy Spirit. Alright? Especially in this time and season when people believe all sorts of crazy things about what the Holy Spirit does. It's important that things are pretty clear so that you recognize you see, because it is possible if this is not clear. Why is this important? It, it is possible if you don't understand what the Spirit of God does to you, you're going to begin to entertain, you know, <laughs> some false representations of the Holy Spirit. And you would think in the name of religion that it is okay. So we want to streamline it today. Now let's read the next verse, verse 56, and I have to go very fast. It says, for the Son of Man is not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Alright, so in other words, what the Spirit of God does has to be in sync with the program of heaven. Do you understand what I'm saying? He's not going to change the program because he showed up on earth and people are misbehaving. No. He's not going to change. He said, you know, I've said this before. Jesus shows up on earth and then he sees everybody. Wow. Look, wow. Look at, wow. Lord, <laughs> I think these people need to see us. They don't know us. No, we need to show. No, it's not going to happen. The Holy Spirit goes with the program. Jesus went through the program. The Father sticks with the program. And the church too should stick with the program. And we say amen. amen. So listen to this. What the spirit of grace does to you, what the spirit of God does to you, has to be consistent with what he's been revealed to do in scripture. And to the degree that it is not consistent is the degree that it's not the Holy Spirit. There has to be clear parameters of what he can do to you. Can we say amen? amen. So Jesus said, you do not know what manner of spirit that you are of. And what Jesus was trying to say is that this kind of spirit does not produce this kind of work. What was Jesus saying? You are of the spirit of grace. You are not of the spirit of, cons uh, of consummation or of being consumed. We are not under the spirit of fire. That is consuming in anger. We're under the spirit of grace. Jesus would have said, ouch. Uh -uh, I won't enter sharp, but it's not time. What? You know that time when guys talk to me. How many of you have ever been in situations where you wish, you really wish, you really wish you had some power. Like you really wish you could just turn somebody into a midget. Just, just reduce their height. <laughs> just, just change their height. <laughs> Say you are tall. Let me show you that I have some power. It's amazing. Oh boy, this is so powerful. 
It is amazing how that Jesus has all of that ability, but restricts himself to a program. And, and simple. Do you know what it means, you know, for Jesus to look like he's been defeated? The Bible says they didn't want him. He just simply turned and left. No noise. He didn't do anything. Ah, ah, the disciples said, no, Lord, show yourself. Show yourself. These guys don't know you. I'm sure they must have seen some strange things with him privately. They must have seen some mighty manifestations, of course, publicly. They had seen the dead raised, the blind eyes open. They had seen all kinds of things. But I'm sure privately, you know, maybe he just wants to do something. (laughs) (laughs) You understand? I'm telling you. Some of you don't realize how much sense of humor God has. He can tell Peter, go and bring that cup. As Peter is going, he'll just arrive in front of him. (laughs) Lord, why why are you scaring me? <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Just do all manner of crazy things. You can say, um, guys, I want to have a meeting with you. And then, as they are all gathering themselves, he just starts to levitate. And just calm down again. Like, you know, just, just show up. So, they must have seen some stuff. Uh-uh. Who won't be moved if you have five loaves and two fish? That's, look, some of you don't understand what was going on. Five loaves and two fish didn't multiply. They didn't say, oh yeah, let's kabash. Until he multiplies. We're not doing anything. Jesus just simply gave thanks. This is powerful stuff. Broke it. And then gave them. At the time he gave them, it was still five loaves and two fish. He just broke it and gave them. So as they carried it, as they carried it and they were going, do you understand? Something happened such that it wasn't running out. Hmm. If me, I was there. As I'm carrying the fish, and I'm going like that, and I give the first set of people, and it's supposed to finish, and then somehow, there's still more. I'll look back. Hmm. <laughs> Who is this? Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay, look at another time. I'm telling you, I'm giving you an idea what's ha- happening privately. Jesus told them, may I go to the other side? So they were going. They, they entered boats. They were going. Jesus ran to the other side of the lake and said, walking to them on water. Yeah. Said, walking back on water. Huh? Who is that, Lord? It is I. If it is you, bid me to come. Come. He was showing them some crazy stuff like that. Just showing off. Just, I'm not your mate. <laughs> And I'm on the same level, guys. <laughs> so, to call down fire would have been like this. But it's not part of the program. He rebukes them. Look, instead of rebuking people who had rejected him, he's rebuking his guys who meant well for him. Show yourself, let's so that this people can accept you. It tells us something. God doesn't want to be accepted out of fear. He doesn't want to be received out of fear. Because the whole thing was acceptance. And come on, show something. But Jesus said, no. I want them to receive me because of my love, not because of my threats. 
And so the Bible says he walked away. I want us to look at, so what was Jesus doing here? He said, listen, you do not know what manner of spirits that you are of. Jesus was reducing himself to a parameter. And that spirit is called the spirit of grace. Can we say that together? I am of the spirit of grace. Say it again. I am of the spirit of grace. So it is what spirit we are of that determines what the spirit does to us. So if the Holy Spirit did not use fire to consume anybody in the Bible, it follows that he can't be consuming you. Because he's going to do that which is consistent with who he is. Write this down. What the Holy Spirit has been assigned to do to you will forever be in sync with the heart of God for you. What the Holy Spirit has been assigned to do to you will forever be in sync with the heart of God for you. So we are, say this with me, I am of the spirit of grace. grace. Hey church, I want you to say it with me, I am of the spirit of grace. grace. Hallelujah, say one more time, I am of the spirit of grace. grace. Now let's quickly show you that you are born of that spirit. John 1, 12 and 13. Please, let's show you that the same Holy Spirit is who you are born of. Let, Let me just, let me just. Clear that, okay, that you are born of the Spirit. Amen. Show you two scriptures in that regard. John chapter number 1, 12 and 13. If you're there, say amen. Amen. If you're not there, say wait for me. Okay, can we all be there quickly? We'll add these few seconds to the time. (laughs) Man, but time is really running, you know. (laughs) Wow. All right, John 1. 12 to 13. Let's read together. One to go. But as many as received him, uh-huh. to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Uh-huh. Even to them that believe on his name. Verse 13, yeah? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So you are born of God. Right? Okay, let's establish another fact. John 4, 24. Quick. I would to God that you will follow the conversation as it is progressing so that you see where we're going. 24, let's read together if you're there. Stop. You are born of God. God is what? You are born of God, right? Who were born not of the will of the flesh. You didn't come because your mom and your dad said they want to have somebody. You came not of the will of blood. You are born of God. Now, the God out of whom you came is a spirit. And Jesus rebuking the disciples said, you do not know what manner of spirit you are of. In other words, it brings us to something very important. Those who are born of God should be educated in God. You should be educated of what you have. You should be educated of the heritage you have come out from. That's why the church is an education house where people are educated. You can't be born of God 
and not be educated. Listen, let me tell you. You can't be born of God and be educated by scarcity. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You shouldn't be born of God and be educated by, by inferiority complex. You shouldn't be born of God and be educated. There's, look, there's a difference between, for, for, for the sake of the context of my conversation, there's a difference between what you are born of and what you are educated in. Say amen. amen. You can be born of God and be educated with, with timidity. Meanwhile, you're born of God. But your education is going on in scarcity. Your education is going on in low self-esteem. Your education is going on in lack. Your education is going on in want. Your education is going on in all of that, in sickness. Meanwhile, you're born of God. So can you now see the reason why it is important that you take your education seriously? <laughs> in this one, we will not give you certificates, but your spirit will, will master things. <laughs> Do you understand? And let me tell you. Can I tell you, church? Hello, church. Every day you're on this earth, education is going on. You're learning. You're learning. You're learning. You're either learning in alignment with your heritage or you're learning in alignment with the world system. But I'm telling you, something is educating you every day. <laughs> Some people, the experience is educating them. But I'm telling you, an education is going on all the time. Can we say amen? amen. So you are we're putting the three together now. Jesus rebuked them and said, you do not know what manner of spirit you're of. And then I showed you that you are born of God. And then I've shown you that God is a spirit. So it means that they needed to be educated in who or the kind of spirits that they were born of. And of course, Jesus surely did that in the next verse. So Jesus said, the son of man did not come to destroy he came to save. Get that into your head. The Son of Man did not come to destroy. And no matter the provocation, he is not going to destroy. No matter the provocation, he is not going to destroy. And we say, Amen. amen. What I've just said is very important. So it is important that you know the kind of spirit that you are born of. <clears throat> you cannot expect the Holy Spirit to do to you something that is not in the design for you. The Holy Spirit will not do to you something that is not in the design for you. You cannot expect the Holy Spirit... To withhold from you something that is in the design for you. Let me say that again. The Holy Spirit will not do to you something that is not in the design. The Holy Spirit will not withhold from you things that are in the design. What do you do to me? Some people, some people have the testimony of, I've been praying and praying and praying and praying and praying and praying. For two years, come on, word of knowledge, I don't have. The Holy Spirit has refused to give me. Or some people will say, I used to have it before. I used to, I used to operate at a level before. Then I lost it. The Holy Spirit will not withhold from you something that is in the design. 
The Holy Spirit will not do to you something that is not in the design. He's confined like that to what is in the design for you. So if you're expecting something that the Holy Spirit will do to you, don't expect something that is not in the design. And of course, with your full chest, you can expect all that is in the design for you. Can we say amen? amen. Oh, church, are you hearing me? Can we say amen? amen? All right, so let's go further. God does not want you to mine at the pit of religion. He wants you to draw from the wells of salvation. God does not want you to mine at the pit of religion. He wants you to draw from the wells of salvation. So you get this as we go forward. Hebrews 10 and verse 26. I want to show you something. So, hello, before you go to that scripture, say this with me. I am of the spirit of grace. grace. Say it again. I am of the spirit of grace. grace. One more time. Say, "I I am of the spirit of grace. Now, there are different kinds of spirits. You know, you do not know what manner of spirits you are made of, and then he corrected them, right? So, I want you to take note of the few kinds of spirits that we have. <laughs> Number one, the spirit of grace. Look how Dupe is looking at me, huh? How many spirits do we have? Ah, we have a... Jesus, the Bible talks about the spirit of grace, and I'll show you. I want to show you all of that today. The spirit of grace. The spirit of fear. Yeah, you see, now they are waking up. They say, oh, purity. <laughs> the spirit of grace. The spirit of fear. Then there's what we call the spirit of bondage again to fear. Wow. <laughs> now we're tough, heavy. Do you understand what I'm saying? Then, of course, there's the spirit of condemnation. But you are not of that spirit. You are of the spirit of grace. 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 12. Let's look at that. 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 12. I have to run, 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 run. All right. Let's read together. One to go. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world. So there's the spirit of the world too. Spirit of condemnation. Spirit of fear. Spirit of bondage again to fear. Spirit of the world. Spirit of the world. It says, now we have not received the spirit of the world but the spirit which is of God. Let's read the remaining lines together. One to go. That we may know the things that are freely given to us of God. If you want to speak that in today's parlance, it would be that you may know what he does to you. That you may know what the Holy Spirit does to you. What I'm saying is so important. Because when people live under condemnation and they no, when people live under the weight of religion, their own Holy Spirit does a lot of things to them that is not consistent with the word. 
Their own Holy Spirit harasses them. Their own Holy Spirit can embarrass them on the road. Then they start to think, is it because I did not pay attention? I did not pay attention. See here, let's assume, I showed you some things on, on, on Wednesday. How many of you listened to what I showed you on Wednesday? People who were outright sinners, God spoke to them. Did you, did, you, did you understand that? Look, some of you say, the moment I lie, God cannot talk to me anymore. What? Cain murdered. As soon as he murdered someone, he still had the capacity to hear God's voice. He still had the capacity to hear God's voice. Nebuchadnezzar heard the voice of God. He wouldn't hear, so God put it on the wall for him. He wrote it on the wall. Pharaoh, how will, what was God's interest in Pharaoh? Pharaoh. That God made sure that he had dreams and visions. And then brought an interpreter free of charge. And then set them, Egypt, set them, some of you don't know. Set them as the highest nation in the earth. In that period, they were living in economics and, and commerce. You understand? They were leading in food production. And Pharaoh was a heathen. You're born of God. Though. I hear what I'm saying. Say this, I'm born of God. Say it again. Say, I'm born of God. So, he led sinners. He led stubborn people. They heard his voice. He led the disobedient, the outright disobedient, the outright rebellious. Jonah, where, where God told Jonah to go, was in direct opposite to where he went. Nineveh is this way, Jonah was going this way. He was going the other way. God did not say, what? I'm going to remove my sword. Jonah, come here. You know, that's the reason why many people don't want to answer the call of God for their lives. Because they're afraid that if they miss it, <laughs> Balaam, Balaam, absolutely. God had told him a few verses, don't go, don't go and cause. He said, well, let me just try. As he got up to go, look at how much interest God puts on the man. He got up to go, God said, don't go. He got he don't go. As he was trying to go, change, there was angel there. Angel should have just slaughtered him, slaughtered Balaam. The angel was there. But he was just there. He didn't do anything to them. It was donkey that saw it. God now helped the... <laughs> now helped the individual. Anytime you hear me say individual, I know I've insulted you. It's a lie, it's a lie. Now helps the individual, all right, by opening the mouth of the ass. So the dumb starts to speak. All because God doesn't want Balaam to miss it. You see, it's the nature of God. The Bible says, say this with me, it is the goodness of God. That leads us to repentance. Say it one more time. It is the goodness of God. 
that leads me to repentance. So, what you expect the Spirit of God to do to you must be consistent with who He has revealed Himself to be. He is the Spirit of grace. Look, and once you understand this, you know what He can't do to you. And if what He cannot do to you is happening in your life, you can quickly correct it. Let me tell you. The parameters of what the Holy Spirit does to you should be clear. There shouldn't be any ambiguity whatsoever about it. It should be clear. So that if that's not what's happening and you're experiencing something else, you can quickly align to what he does to you. Can we say amen? Amen. Alright, so let's go a little bit further. Are you being blessed here? Hey church, are you being blessed here? Glory to God. Alright, so it says that we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God. That we may know the things that are freely given to us of of God. Write this down please. So there is a difference between the spirit of grace and the spirit of the world. Let me ask you. What do you think the spirit of the world um, brings to people's lives? I can tell you for free. Number one, the spirit of the world In the world where you live in today, let me ask you a question. In the world where you live in today, are there a lot of uncertainties? That's the spirit of the world. Falsehood, that's the spirit of the world. Deceptions, that's the spirit of the world. Carnality, and we describe carnality here as anything that does not line up with the truth of God's word. When you are logically minded and is not in sync with God's word, you're carnal. What else does the world does do? Fear. The world brings you a sense of performance that you have to perform to get, you have to perform to receive. True or false? So um, um, why, why do you think that you're going to amount to anything in your life? I mean, you have to perform to get. That's the speed of the world. Anything that causes you to be, to feel under judgment, under condemnation, that's the spirit of the world. All right, let's go a little bit further. 2 Timothy 1 and verse 7. Quickly, I want to just show you some of these things. 2 Timothy 1 and verse 7. Let's read together, want to go. Let's read together, want to go. Yeah. No, see, let me tell you, some of you will really like, well, I know it, I know it. But you see, if you're not, if you're not deeply rooted in it, and, and you know it, but those are the things still happening in your life, then what do you know? <laughs> you understand? I know it, I know it, tell me something else. But when you leave this place, it's the same things, the same conversations. Fear, fear governed. Fear about everything. Fear about your future. Fear. He has not given you the spirit of fear. And God will never use threats to get your attention. Mark my word. 
There are things he doesn't use. Fear. He will never use threats to get your attention. Once you begin to sense fear in any shape, don't ever think he's God. Say amen. Say, what, what if God uses it? Are you, are you in this church? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Why didn't he use the, the, the fire? He could have used it. You could, you see, let me tell you, let me say this. And I, I want to say this very important. People are of the opinion that, well, the end game is what matters. It doesn't matter what God uses, so long as he finally gets your attention. It is the end game that matters. No, it is not the end game that matters. Everything in between matters too to God. Oh, boy. See, it is not just the end results that matters to God. How he gets to the end matters to him too. Are you getting what I'm saying? It's not just, uh, finally, I've gotten her attention. Even if I broke her toe, so long as I've gotten her attention. Even if she cracked a score, so long as I've gotten her attention. No. Under God, even the process matters. How he gets to you matters. How he gets your attention matters. Okay, let's, let's have a little bit of conversation. Show me one person, you know, disciple or otherwise. That Jesus got their attention by hitting their head against the wall, breaking their toe, cursing, you know, just doing harm to them. How many? Now, some of you might say, Paul. Paul's own story was that he, listen. It was more spiritual than it was natural. Paul had known the law all his life. What God simply did was close his eyes so that he can meditate on grace. So that the next time his eyes is open, but did, did Paul say, Hey, my eyes painting me? Yeah, yeah. Was there, was there hardship in the conversation? Hardship, hardship. So what you expect him to do to you has to be in sync with what he has been revealed to be doing. Can we say amen? amen. Are you being blessed this morning? Yes, hey church, are you being blessed this morning? Yes, so God has not given us the spirit of fear. Let's look at one other scripture. Romans 8. Romans 8 and verse 15. Romans 8 and verse 15. When you have it, I want you to read out loud. Let's read it out loud together. I want to go. Now, so, so stop. You have not received the spirit of what? Bondage again to fear. So there's one that is the spirit of fear. There's the other that is a spirit of bondage to fear. When it says bondage to fear, it's not saying bondage again to fear. In other words, bondage causes you to fear. No. It is saying you are not bound to fear. You're not a slave to fear. Are you get what I'm saying? So these negative things will never be something that God uses to instruct you, to speak to you, to counsel you. Let's go to Hebrews 10 and verse 26. 
you know what I'm doing? I'm building a case this morning. Then I would, I would now leave you to decide what is consistent with the spirit of grace. Amen. Amen. Once we know what is not consistent with the spirit of grace, then we can decide what is consistent with the spirit of grace. Hebrews 10 and verse 26. Let's start reading from verse 26. I want to read something to you. It says, For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice. Let me tell you, I couldn't talk about the spirit of grace without teaching you from this scripture. You see why? It says, But if we sin willfully, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sin. But a certain fearful looking for judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. Look at verse 28. Look at it in context. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much more sorrow punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who has trodden underfoot the Son of God and has counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified as an unholy thing, let's read the remaining parts together, want to go, and has what? And has what? Other translation says, and has insulted the spirit of grace. Insulted the spirit of grace. So we have now, hey, hello. You do not know what manner of spirit you are of. Now you have seen that concept called the spirit of grace. Say this with me. I am of the spirit of grace. I am of the spirit of grace. So now let's give context. I want you to quickly pay attention because, hey, church, verse 26 of Hebrews 10. How many of you has it? How many of you are Bible people here? How many, how many of you has it ever bothered? Look at it. If you sin willfully, there remained no more sacrifice, um, sacrifice for sin, but a fearful what judgment and indignation. All right, and if they did not, um, if they did not, if they were not exempted under Moses, how do you think that you'll be exempted under Christ? And then it goes if you insult the spirit of grace. So let's teach that. Amen. 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 Can we teach it? Amen? Amen. Good. Number one. This is what I'm, this, what I'm about to say. So important. The book of Hebrews was written to, to who? The book of Hebrews was written to who? It's not a trick question. Hebrews. Amen. Is that not deep rema? Is that not deep revelation? And the Hebrews are who? Jews. The book of Corinth was written to who? Ephesians was written to who? Um, Galatians was written to who? 
So Hebrew was written to who? Hebrew was written to who? Thank you. <laughs> Hebrews. <laughs> That's number one. What I have just said, I've answered the question. Because when Paul was writing to the Corinthian church, look at this, I'm, I'm, I'm teaching now, very important. His message took on the character of the church in trying to bring them out of what it was that they were hooked on by using the truths of Christ to pull them out of their vices. When he wrote to the Ephesian church, it was the same thing. So when he writes to the Hebrew church, by the way, Paul wrote the Hebrew text. When he writes to the Hebrew church, I want you to please pay attention because this is so important. When he writes to the Hebrew church, he is discussing to the Hebrews within the context of their own specific experience. One of the things that you have to know about the Hebrew church was that they had denied until today they still do. They had denied the person of Christ. What did I tell you sin was? Let's start with that. What is sin? Unbelief. Sin is to miss the mark. So if a person has denied the existence and the work of Christ, huh? what do you think they are living in? Sin. I've told you before that sin is not much of an action as it is the denial of Christ. And we say amen. amen. So now they are living in sin. And from the beginning of the book of Hebrews up until the end, Paul is making an argument using their own context. He's using their own high priest and all of that context to point them to the fact that a greater has come and you have to move from there to move to this one. Now, if you don't understand it the way I've taught it, and I'll still go further in it, the first thing that would come to your mind is, number one, God is schizophrenic. Because just a few verses away, he had pointed us to the fact that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission for sin, and how that Christ has shed his own blood, and by his own blood, all right, sin has been forgiven. So it means that God has forgotten what he said. You just pointed us to something. Now you're saying if we sin willfully. So number one, he's not talking to the believers. He's not talking to the church. He's talking within a context of people who have denied Christ. Follow me, I'm, I'm going somewhere. So the first thing is that there is a group of people who believe in a balanced view of God. They believe that God is both grace and judgment. His love and vengeance. He, he loves us unconditionally, but to the same degree also, the love is conditional. How many of you have felt that way? God loves you unconditionally until you start to listen to men and then you begin to see conditions. True or false? So it's either one of the two. Does he love you unconditionally? Or does he not? We have to agree. Is he full of love or is he full of vengeance? You have to agree. 
And let me tell you, you have to be convinced beyond all reasonable doubts. So the first view is that God is schizophrenic, he's a consuming fire, but he's also a God of love. And now if you believe that, all right, it puts you in a place where you're never sure. Always uncertain. Never know what to expect. This God that is so lovely can also be so judgmental, so we never know what to expect. The second one is that it puts you in a place of works. In other words, you'll be judged according to the light of the revelation that you have. How many of you have ever heard that? Hello? Once you know, now you'll be judged in tandem with the light that you have, right? That's what they say to you in church. So now, the believer is sitting in church and saying, oh, why did I know? I shouldn't have known. Because ignorance is bliss. You understand? All these things that I now know, God is going to hold me to them. So why did I come to church? Because if I did not come to church, I won't know. <laughs> and I will have the excuse that I don't know. It puts you in a place of works and uncertainty. You're always afraid. Okay. Ah, you see, you're supposed to be like Mary or Martha. Mary, who, was, who sat down at the feet of Jesus to just receive from him? Mary. So she sat down and just received from Jesus and just received from... You know, when people, if you, if you have this kind of view, the revelation that you have is going to be the basis upon which God is going to, you know, relate to you, demand from you. You will never be calm. Yeah. Instead of you to just sit down and just learn. It will be, hey, where's the next time God is going to demand it from me? And if I don't give it. So the first thing that you must realize is that God wasn't talking to a believer in that text. He was talking to the Hebrews. And what was the context of the conversation? The context of the conversation was, look, we are presenting to you, you know, the gospel of Christ and what he did. And you're saying there is no gospel of Christ. You're in denial. And so let's look, let's look, at, let's look at verse 28. It says, he that despised Moses' law died without mercy. Under two or three witnesses. Then he now goes to say, of much more punishment do you think will happen if somebody denies the, the spirit of grace? Hello, here's what he's saying. He's telling them something they know. Using it to make a case for believing in Jesus. He's saying you know what happened when people went against the law and didn't believe. Hello? Hello, church? Is this too much for you? Are you following? Hello, are you following? So you know what happened to you when you went against the law of Moses. And you know how people died. How much more now if you do not accept the spirit of grace and save yourself? What do you think is going to happen? It's going to be a stronger punishment. Now let me tell you something, church. Grace does not deny the fact. Let me tell you, I've said this before. Let me say it again. People will still go to hell. 
But is that the gospel? Hello, church. Is that the gospel? Okay, what does scripture say? Scripture says that God does not will, not willing that anybody should perish, but that all should come to the knowledge of the truth. If you're, a, if you're a wise person, which one will you preach? Hell or knowledge of the truth? Which one will you loud? You will loud the knowledge of the truth because that is in sync with what the Father wants. So don't say, don't think that, that we, we, we don't preach hell for a reason because that's not what the Father wants. That's why we don't preach hell. Um, accuse us of being selective. We agree. We are not the first to be selective in scripture. Even Jesus selected. Say amen. amen. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, it behoves you as a wise person. If you get a job now, Benny, if you get a job, and the, your boss tells you, this is what I want. If you want to keep that job, won't you do what the boss wants? Period. Not willing that anybody should perish. Why should I loud what he's not willing to happen for people? I should loud what he wants to happen to them. Because faith comes by hearing. What they will believe in will be based on what they heard. So if I preach judgment, eternal condemnation, judgment, death, fire. That's what people will come to believe. Then when they wait for one week, two weeks... Three months. Hello, church. How many of you were told Jesus is coming soon? Escape. How many of you watched Burning Hell? Did you ever watch Burning Hell? These are so young. Wow. And it's great. <laughs> it sounds like I'm so old. How many of you watched? Uh, ah, there were so many of that. That they, 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 your, so your old churches did not go to do film show. No, no, no. Passion of, the, Passion of Christ is actually, is actually good. You know, but, but that burning hell conversation, you see, whatever brings you in has to sustain you inside. So if fear brings you in, into the kingdom, fear will keep you in. But fear cannot keep you for long. Let me ask us a question. I'm going back to what, what I'm teaching. But let me ask you a question. Jesus is not coming again. The hell, um, hell idea canceled. There's no more hell. There's no judgment. There's no condemnation. Jesus is not coming back again. Do whatever. See, let me tell you. If you say, Opeo, eh? Opeo, Opeo. You didn't know the gospel. You didn't know the gospel. I can tell you for a fact. You had religion. You did not know the gospel. I can tell you. <laughs> if you just say, hey, 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 you never knew the gospel. Freedom at last. You never knew the gospel. I don't care how, how much you cried in church. I don't care. You didn't know the gospel. If you, you don't leave something that you know and enjoyed. Okay, let me give you an example. Mom calls you today and says, hey daughter, you know what? 
You're not bound to anything anymore. Do whatever you like. You know, you don't have to bring anything home. You don't have to bring money. You don't have to give me money every month. You don't have to give me anything. Just be whatever. You see, thank God you drop your, you drop your mother's name or you drop your father's name. How many of you are going to do that? How many of you do that? Why? It's, it's gone deeper than the rudiments. It's gone deeper. And oh boy. It's gone deeper than the rudiments, right? So you hear today that Jesus is not coming again. There's no hell. There's no heaven. In fact, we're all going to be here. Jenny. Forever. There's no punishment. There's no judgment. There's nothing. You see that place you used to hide to go? Now it's full chest. Let me tell you, you never believe the gospel. It doesn't matter what you tell me. I'm trying to use an example to paint this to you. If I have, if I have come to love something, even if you take away all of those, you know, laws and rudiments, I'll stay with what I love. That's why God's introduction to you was not laws. It was love. So that after all is said and done, you stay with what you've come to love. And we say amen. amen. So, so Paul was writing to the Hebrew church and he was talking to them within the context of their unbelief. Let me show you another thing. Can I show you quickly? So number one, the audience was the Hebrews. They knew the law, but they rejected the idea that the law was only a shadow of what was to come, which is the grace of God. They rejected that. They said, we are not believing that. Now, the reason why Paul wrote to the Hebrew church, I'm doing this for a reason. And a bit will be done. The reason why Paul wrote to the Hebrew church, you want to write this down. Number one, was so that they will enter through a new and living way. Number two, was so that they will go on to maturity. Number three was so that they would draw near to God. Now, which of the views that you just heard, if you, if you have the view of God as being full of wrath and cannot wait to hurt you and condemn you, is that going to bring you near to God? Hello, church. Is that going to bring you near to God? The idea that God is full of judgment, will that bring you near to God? No, so definitely Paul was writing because he wanted them to understand these three things I just said. Number one, come to the place of maturity. Number two, enter through a new and living way. Number three, draw near to God. And fear can't bring you close to God. Now let me show you one last thing. Hebrews chapter number 3. Yeah. Let's read from verse 10. Hebrews 3 and verse 10. 
He says, wherefore I was grieved with that generation and said, they do always err in their hearts and they have not known my ways. So I swear, verse 11, so I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. He says, take heed, brethren, lest there be any of you with an evil heart of what? Unbelief. So the problem of the Hebrew church, the reason why Paul started to write to them was because of their unbelief. That was why Paul started writing to them in the first place. So when you come to Hebrews 10 and verse 26, and you start to hear about sin willfully, it is that Paul is saying, I have painted all the pictures to you, but you have willfully chosen to reject Christ. I have given you all the parameters and I have painted all the pictures to you. But you have willfully, you have said that you are not going to accept Christ. Have you seen that sin? Have you seen the sin, the willful sin? You are seen, you are sinning. Are you sinning the willful sin now? You are sinning it now. <laughs> Dupe is not in church. <laughs> Dupe is in a, she's somewhere. <laughs> It's somewhere, maybe in Magodo. People <laughs> are in the Chicken Republic with those, with those security people dancing. People, <laughs> I need to help your destiny. <laughs> Have you believed in Jesus? Have you believed in Jesus? Have you believed in Jesus? That's what, no, let, let me show you. I want to quickly do this. Go back to Hebrews 10. Let's do this quickly, 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 quickly. Hebrews 10, verse 26. You know, some of you say, they never taught us. But I'm teaching it now. Some of you are getting distracted. It's important for you to listen. If you sin willfully after that you have received the knowledge of the truth, the knowledge of the truth, which is what I've been building to you all the while. I've been giving you the knowledge of the truth. So it was the rejection of the truth that became the basis of their willful sin. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can't sin it. I'm telling you, you can't sin willfully. Wow. Should we continue? You see, let me tell you. Don't read your mind into scripture. Read the mind of Christ. Let the mind of Christ come out of scripture. Don't read what you think. You see, without doing any, any study, without doing any, they just read it. But you, you think, we really, keep quiet. Let's start to unpack it. Okay. This, is, this will help all of our learning. Paul wrote to the Corinthian church. I say, I hear that some of you are sleeping with your, your father's wife. Are you sleeping with your father's wife? Go and take it now. It's your scripture. Divine. Brother. No, I'm bringing this thing home. Man of God, take it now. It's not your scripture. <laughs> Maureen, take it now. <laughs> he was writing to them. See, let me tell you. This, this is going to help all of you. If you're paying attention, it will help you. He was writing to them 
addressing their issues in the light of Christ. Same way I did last month. Addressing marriage in the light of Christ. Addressing business in the light of Christ. Uh, it was based on the light of Christ. I told them, ah, you brother, you sister, you are taking yourselves to court. In Corinthians, he said, don't you know that the judges should come to us are correcting them in the light of scripture. So when it comes to Hebrews, he has been building a case since from the beginning using the old covenant laws that they know to build a narrative and he's building and becoming. And then as he's building, they are saying we don't want. Then he gets to the point where he says, look, let me tell you, if you willfully reject this truth after you have come into the knowledge of the truth, look at this. And what he said is still true today. He says, there remaineth no other sacrifice for sin. In other words, you cannot go and still bring the blood of bulls and goats as your sacrifice for sin. When you finish running around, you will come back here. And guess what? Let me tell you. Can I tell you, everybody? Look at me, everybody. Today, as we speak, scripture has been fulfilled. The Ukrainian crisis, the Jews are going back in their droves. I've been following Benny Hinn from from the time this thing started. They're going back in their their thousands to Israel. The other thing that is going to happen is that the Bible says they they will all confess that Jesus is Lord. That's what Paul was saying to them here. Thank you, Father, for utterance. I get what I'm saying. He was saying to them that, look, listen to me. When you finish, if you seal willfully, the willful sin is not a willful action of sin. The willful sin is a willful denial of the truth. So if you do that, there is no other sacrifice for sin. Now let's read it in context. It says, but a fearful looking judge looking for of judgment and fairy indignation, which, which shall devour the adversaries. What does that mean? Anyone who denies Jesus has become the adversary. And judgment is coming for them. Sinners will still go to hell for rejecting Jesus. But that's not our message because we don't fall into that category. (laughs) Do you understand? You preach what concerns you. What concerns you is growth in the light of Christ. Can we say amen? Let's continue. Verse 28. This is where I'm going to finish. It says, he that despised Moses' law. See the comparison? He that despised Moses' law died without mercy. Under two or three witnesses. He now says, Of how much sorrow punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who has trodden underfoot the Son of Christ? Are you seeing it? That's what I've been presenting to you all through the book. What does it mean to throw it on their feet? This is rubbish. I don't want it. It's nonsense. I don't want it. That's what they've been doing all the while. And Paul wants the gospel to get into the Hebrew nation. And so he's writing to them. I say, if you, throw, if you say this is rubbish, I don't want it. He says there's punishment coming. And he's not fearful. It is what's going to happen to everybody who rejects Christ. People go to hell not because they are sinners. 
That's why the blood was slain. The lamb was slain. Let me tell you. I want to say this boldly. All sin of mankind has been paid for. All. Say this with me. All sin has been paid for. I said first, generically, all sin, every sin, including what Putin is doing. Paid for. Now say this with me. All my sins have been paid for by Jesus. So now let's, let's finish this because I want to finish. Okay. It says, who are trodden underfoot, the son of Christ, has counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified as an unholy thing. Now look at this. And has done what? Done despite unto the spirit of grace. Let's look at that, that scripture in another translation. Let's compare. What does it mean to do despite? Let's look at it from the Amplified. It says, how much more greater punishment do you think he would deserve? Thank you, Lord, for the truth. Oh, thank you, Lord, for the truth. If you listened on Wednesday, sorry, I'm, I'm going back and forth. But if you listened on Wednesday, my brothers and sisters, I believed in the law. Heavy. Heavy. You know what? I didn't pray for one year. One year. One year. One whole year. I'm not lying to you. One whole year. I didn't pray. How do you pray, sir? Under the law. Who are you praying to? How? One whole year. This was probably 2005. For the whole year, I didn't pray to God. When they are doing morning devotion in church, in, in at home, as they are doing morning devotion, my dad would, you know, train up a child in a way. My dad would go around to be sure we're praying and nobody's sleeping. The moment I see my dad coming, I'm telling you, God is my witness. I am, there's no word that I'm saying that is a lie. God is my witness. I couldn't say father. I couldn't. Well, whole year, I was drowning under the weights. Of my wrongs. I didn't think I could call him father, father. And sometime in 2006, 7, 8, I now began to hear the gospel. Huh. I started listening to Joseph Prince. In fact, what do you think of prayer life? Now, prayer life at that time was now as it, as it suited the community where I was, not as it was from the heart. They say we should pray. Well, to prove to them that I'm also a Christian, let's pray. But it was not, I didn't think anything was happening. Then I started listening to Joseph Prince and taking in scriptures. Joseph Prince was my first Introduction to the gospel. Then I, I went on to Andrew Womack. How many of you know Andrew Womack? Know him in the name of Jesus. 
Know him from today in the name of Jesus. He will help you. Do you understand? Say, listening to Andrew Womack. And my life changed. <laughs> Better believe this thing. These things we are sharing with you. We are taking the pain to share with you right now. Better believe them. Can we say amen? amen? Let's read from the Amplified. It says, how much greater punishment do you think he will deserve? Who has rejected and trampled on that foot, the Son of God, and has considered unclean and common the blood of the covenant that sanctified him? And has insulted, you see that? Insulted the spirit of grace who imparts the unmerited favor and the blessing of God. So, what does it mean? Hello, church. Look at me as I close. What do you think it means to insult the spirit of grace? Who can tell me? Anybody? Yes? Esther, yes? To not identify with him. With the spirit of grace. To not, she's right. To not identify with the spirit of grace. Yes? Yeah, that's okay. Let me give you an example. NK, if I tell you that I, I went to the automobile show in Dubai and I bought you a Ferrari, fully paid for, and I give the keys to you, and then all the while you are trying to steal, you don't believe me. I truly paid for. And then all the while, you're trying to impress me by paying for the car. You insult me. To insult the spirit of grace simply means I have made something available to you. You don't take it. You don't believe me. You don't accept what I have said. And every time your, your, your actions are going against the things I have said, it's an insult to me. That's exactly what the Hebrew church were doing to the grace of God. It's been made available for free. You want to work for it. Insult to the spirit of grace. Are you seeing what I'm saying? Hello, church. So now let me ask you, can you sing willfully? Ah, you see, you see, they will, not, they will not talk now. They will not talk now within the context of what you have just heard. Can you sing willfully? Have you believed in Jesus? Hello, Abi, is your, is, your, is your belief still being modified? Yes, Brother, have you believed in Jesus? Yes, Can you say ungratefully? Yes, there are some things you have to say boldly. Yes, <laughs> you can't sin willfully. So what does the spirit of grace do to you? He imparts grace to you. And I wanted to give you an assignment. That this week, in the light of the things that you have heard, if we know, we know that it does not impact fear, right? Does it impact condemnation? Does it give you judgment? I mean, we saw, let me tell you, that city, did they deserve judgment? Did they deserve judgment? Yes, they deserved, I mean, if it was me. The judgment they will carry. <laughs> they deserve heavy judgment. But Jesus did not give it to them. Hear me today as we close. What the Holy Spirit does to you is in sync with what his design is. 
He doesn't do anything outside of it. So let's, all, let's, let's end this message together. Let's talk about what he does to you. Number one, he brings comfort to you. So I'll just go around. What, what, what does the Holy Spirit do to you? He reveals Jesus to you. What does the Holy Spirit do to you? Brings joy. Oh, great. What does the Holy Spirit do? Peace. Love. Brings whose love? Yeah, because love plenty of. What does the Holy Spirit do? That's what he does to you. Say it out loud. The power of God is on you. Say it out loud. Why not? Well, I'm serious. Say it out loud. He brings comfort to you. What does he do to you? Peace. Nobody's talking about money. What does he do to you? Brings wealth to you. Why you don't want to talk about money? What are All of you holy, sanctified people. What does he do to you? He doesn't condemn you. Great one. Wow, you see? He brings you into the sense of God's abundance. You have to be full of the spirit to understand God's abundance. This is what he does to you. <laughs> In your lifetime on earth, is it possible you're going to feel fear? Is it possible you're going to feel condemn- condemned? Is it possible that depression might want to roll up on you? Don't think that the spirit is trying to get your attention. He doesn't use evil to get your attention. What's happening is consistent with the earth that you are living on. Yeah. You go to heaven, you'll be depressed. Yeah. For him to get your attention, you'll be depressed. You say, my daughter, I want fellowship with you. Take some depression. <laughs> some some sprinkle. See, doesn't, it doesn't sound all right. Just take some sprinkle of depression. Just, just take a little. I, 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 want, I want you to see. I want you to see what you're missing. How many of you, your son or your daughter, let me use you. You look very handsome. So you have a son. He's going to, the, to electricity. There's a naked wire somewhere, and he's going to touch it. The power of God is here. Many people are being healed. Um, we heard of the lady who got healed on Wednesday. No, on, on Friday. Friday? Friday. Was it Thursday or Friday? It was on Friday, yes. So, um, your son, okay? He's playing around naked wire. Come out of there. Come out of there. Come out of there. He goes back. Leave that place. Leave that place. He goes back. He goes back like three times. Then he say, you stubborn boy. You, you know, you stubborn boy. He say, that's to show you sit down, darling. That's to show you what, what, next time, don't do that again. That's to show you what happens if you keep playing around there. Wow. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to call the authorities. You don't belong to where normal people live. <laughs> Brother, we have to arrest you. My brother, Abby, we have to arrest you. Lock you up. Eh? Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you understand? You see, why do you think? Is, is that not the picture many people have of God? Yes. Teach you a lesson. Yes. Say, stop playing with that fire. Stop playing with that fan. Stop playing with that fan. He will enjoy you. He will enjoy you. Say, no, I'll play. He will enjoy you. Say, no, no, I'll play. He say, okay, come, let me show you. Come. Now take your hand. 
Then, you know, how many of you have, have seen Chainsaw Massacre, the new one? The new one, the 2022 one. Go and watch it. That's come out. How many of you are horror people like me? Yeah, amen. Go ahead. Yes, and so you. Then you now, then you now, then you now say, serves you right. Next time, don't do that again. You know what we'll do? We'll take that, that man, lock him up. No wonder people don't want to have anything to do with Jesus. Because they think he's doing the wrong things to them. No, he's not causing you to be blind. He's not going to kill your son. He's not going to take your left toe. He's not going to take your knee. He's not going to give you a headache. I guess what I'm saying. He's not going to give you a migraine headache so that you can pray more. Amen. A lady came to Oral Roberts and said, and this is the last thing I'm going to say. She said, she came on the healing line and she wanted to be healed. So when it got to her turn, Oral Roberts said, what, what may I do for you? I said, I want you to pray for me. I feel the Lord gave me this sickness to humble me. And so Oral Roberts said, what? She said again, the Lord gave me, you see, there are some ignorant things people say just to be humble. The Lord gave me the sickness to, to humble me. I said, okay, kneel down. And so she knelt down. I said, Lord, increase the sickness. She moved ahead. He said, wait, I'm praying for you. Lord, for the sake of humbling this dear lady, increase the... She removed her head. Then he told her, stand up. You don't believe what you just said. Because if the Lord gave you a sickness to humble you, how do we know that the school has finished? <laughs> how do we know that he now come to me mortal man to remove what the Lord is doing no I'm going to cooperate with the Lord let the thing increase what you do to me is in sync with what you are revealed to do now the last thing plenty last this is the last of the last Lastest of the last. God wanted me to tell you in this service today that the, cons- the, the circumstance notwithstanding. In other words, there may be times when you've even done something that requires some retribution, some spanking, like that city. Still, he will still not do that to you. How then will he get my attention? Go back to scripture. It is the goodness. Say that with me. It is the goodness of God that leads you to repentance. Period. If you're waiting for a cookie to drop, it won't drop. If you're waiting for a shoe to drop on your head, it's not going to drop. It is the goodness of God. What does he do to you? Yeah, he's he, yeah. He directs you, amen. You're led by the Spirit. That's your experience in the name of Jesus. Annie, what does he do to you? Wow, makes intercession for you. Great, great. Onye, what does he do to you? He strengthens you. Hallelujah. Brother, what's your name, sir? Elias, what does he do to you? Gives you favor. Wow, that's it. What does he do to you? Oh, he's a deep guy. 
It brings understanding to the world. Rise to your feet. Thank you for engaging yourself in this episode. We trust that your life has been beautified. If you'd like to share what Jesus is doing in your life through this ministry, please write to us at hello at blueprintstories.org.